Welcome to Amplifying Leadership, a podcast for new or seasoned leaders where we share our guest stories, wins, tips, and challenges, and more. My name is Tara Lehman, and I'm a partner coaching consultant at Twin Life Coaching and Business Services, of which Amplifying Leadership is a division. For our leadership clients, we aim to support you through this podcast, tools, coaching, and more as part of our leadership services. To learn more about us and our leadership community, please visit amplifyingleadership.ca. Today, I am welcoming Wayne Mullins, founder of Ugly Mug Marketing, creator of Freelance Accelerator, and also an author. Wow, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Tara. I'm excited to be here. So I have to ask, because I'm curious, and I'm sure some of our audience is, the business name. How did you come up with Ugly Mug Marketing? The name Ugly Mug Marketing comes from a quote by this gentleman of the name David Ogilvy. So David Ogilvy was the co-founder of an ad agency called Ogilvy & Mather. And at one point, they were the largest ad agency in the entire world. Uh, They're still in the top 10. But David Ogilvy, inside his offices, had this quote to his team, to his staff, that was, I would rather you show me an ad that's ugly and effective rather than one that's beautiful but isn't. And so for us, the idea of that being our North star, right? We -hmm. don't want to be distracted, which is very easy to do in our industry by awards and accolades for doing something cool or something amazing. Mm -hmm. We want to stay focused on results. Well, I love it. I think it's an awesome name and definitely rememberable. And I like where the origins come from as well. Thank you. So I always like to start our interviews on the podcast with understanding what your leadership story is. You know, how did you come to be a leader or even, you know, the founder of your company? Sure. So my leadership journey, I guess you could say, began um, probably right out of school. And that is when I really had to learn to lead myself. So Mm -hmm. I graduated with a degree in marketing and business and ended up going into sales. That's the direction I wanted to go. I wanted to study and wanted to really learn how to sell. And what I quickly discovered was that I was terrible at this thing called selling. Oh no. And so, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a great career choice for me, but you know, I'm very high level introvert and the job I had required me literally to go knock on doors, ask to speak to business owners and then present to them and ask them to basically write checks and hand us money, you know, for the mm-hmm. advertising that we were going to do for the company. And um, so for me, the the first time I really had this idea, this notion about leadership was knowing that I thought I was going to be good at this one thing, sales, and knowing that I wasn't, the results proved that I wasn't good at this thing. Yeah. So learning to lead myself through those painful experiences, through knocking on the doors when I didn't necessarily have to, certainly didn't want to. That's when the idea of leadership really came to forefront for me. You know, and I think a lot of us learn the hard way, right? We we learn by going into something we may not like and realize it's not for us, but I'm glad you took what you, you know, your leadership skills and those things that allowed you to be a personal leader to yourself and grow into what you are today with your business and marketing still, I assume, based on the name of the business. Yeah. So we do full service marketing and, um, you know, we have a team of 15. So there's 13 full time, a couple of part time here. And my leadership journey, you know, has been one of evolution. I think like so many 
leaders have that experience and that story. And I, I really believe for the most part for me that a core component of my leadership journey centers around my beliefs around leadership. Okay. Very interesting. So what would you say, considering your story, was your biggest obstacle to leadership in your journey? I would say the number one obstacle that I believe that I faced and that so many others I see struggle with is um, the simplest way I'd put this would be the Johari window. Okay. J-O-H-A-R-I, I believe is how you spell yeah. it. Google it. I may not be spelling it right, but the Johari window, which basically is a quadrant and it shows you that there are certain things in our lives that are conscious to other people. In other words, other people can see them, but they're unconscious to us. In other words, we can't see those things. And so for me, it was not until I discovered that, came to that realization that there was a lot of things about my leadership, about me managing and helping to grow the team and develop the people under me. It wasn't until I realized there was so much I couldn't actually see that I was oblivious to, but other people could. And that was when I hired my first coach. And mm -hmm. that was kind of the pivot. That was the the crux, I guess you could say, the pivot point yeah. of my leadership journey. Yeah. And and I do like that you bring that up. I think it's an important obstacle to talk about as well. I mean, how many of us sometimes, even as people, you don't see that the audience that you're trying to talk to or trying to lead. And I just was actually speaking to another guest a little while ago about knowing your audience, which is exactly what you're talking about. Um, and when it comes to, to communication, even getting that feedback to know your audience as well, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I agree. I think, um, you know, I, I love the quote. I don't remember who said this particular quote, but I know somebody said it. Um, it was that people are not going to remember what you said. They're not going to remember what you did, but they're going to remember the way you made them feel. Yes. And to your point, Tara, is that if we treat everyone the same in terms of the way we lead, we are doing them a disservice because everyone is unique. Therefore, we have to learn to adapt our style of leadership to the individual that we're attempting to lead. So again, I think that's just such an important point to remember that. You know, it's not about all the things that we say, all the things that we do, although those things matter, certainly. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, it's how that other person feels. Do we empower them? Do we build them up? Are they inspired to be better? Or every time they see us, they want to run the other way and hide, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. So for me, communication is a big part of leadership. It's one of my favorite topics. And honestly, everybody loves to talk about it when I, you know, have my guests on or even with my own coaching clients. What do you think are some of those key components around communication when it comes to leading your team or even based on your, your experiences? Here, two things come to mind. Um, the first would be implicit versus explicit communication. Mm -hmm. And then the other piece or component is the difference between trust and suspicion. So I'll jump back to the first one, which is implicit versus explicit. So often as leaders, we believe we have explicitly explained or explicitly given instructions to someone when in reality, so much of that communication was implicit. In other words, because we've done it so long, because we've done that particular task or that role for so long, 
we assume they know all the things that we know. They have the same context. And the reality is they don't. And so very often what I discover is that when someone doesn't execute, doesn't deliver something to me or to a client based on what I thought they should or the way they should have, the first place I love to examine is what and how could I have done differently to communicate in such a way so that anything that was implicit became explicit. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's, I agree with that. Uh, absolutely. Like you, we sometimes get into routine and assumption, which is what you're alluding to really in a lot of ways. And when we're even doing training with somebody new, we are thinking about that last person we trained and that whole communication in communicating to be understood and understand are really key components to making sure that we're also knowing the audience. Go ahead with the second one. Yeah, it ties exactly to what you were just saying. So the other one is trust versus suspicion. And so one of the first conversations we have with someone who's new to our team when they come in is we have this whole conversation around trust and suspicion. And we like to say that we default to trust, which Mm -hmm. for most people, that is not the default. The default is typically to suspicion. But here at Ugly Mug Marketing, our default is to trust people. So when I'm having that conversation with the new hire, the conversation is, look, I trust you. I trust that you're going to do what's right. I trust that you're going to keep your word. I trust that you're going to execute. I trust all of these things. Like I trust you. It's your responsibility to maintain that trust. Mm -hmm. And anytime you give your word, whether it's explicitly, in other words, you say, I'm going to do X, Y, or Z, or it's implied, right? There's certain implied things that someone's going to do here based on the role they took, the job they took, right? It's kind of implied that you're going to show up to work, show up to meetings on time, things like that. Yeah. Um, But anytime you give your word, you have the ability to either erode the trust or to further build the trust. And so that lies in your hands, but by default, it is trust. And one quick real world antidote that just happened literally yesterday, um, one of our newest team members, he and I went to lunch and we were just visiting through lunch, just talking about life and, you know, some ideas uh, for the business. I love picking the brains of new people because they don't, they aren't jaded, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So picking his brain. And so we get back into the office. And one of the things that we talked about was the way we structure our goals is during the team meeting, everyone talks about here was my goal for last week. And they highlight it green if they did it, yellow if it was partial or red if it wasn't done. And so he asked, he said, how do you know if someone says their goal was to spend an hour studying X, Y, or Z, how do you know they actually did that thing? And my response was, because I trust them. Mm-hmm. And that his comment to me just made me realize how foreign this idea is that we should default to trust and then allow them the freedom to either build more trust or to erode that trust with suspicion. It's almost like the whole idea that you're innocent until proven guilty type thing, right? It's the same concept, but I think human brains are almost wired to put up that wall sometimes. Um, And I mean, our, our world's crazy everywhere. It's been changing for many, many years, what they call the VUCA world, right? So, you know, I think a lot of people have put up walls where the trust levels are different. And so it's, I think it's evolving and it's a difficult thing for a lot of people to do. So it's very interesting. You have that real world example of where we're almost having to show our new employees that it's okay. We believe in you until you prove otherwise. 
we're here, right? We believe you can do this. Yeah. And I would say that for me, it's not that I'm naturally a very trusting person. That's not my natural Mm -hmm. instinct, my natural inclination. That has been work in terms of my leadership. It has been a constant effort over many, many years because yeah, my default is to be suspicious, right? But I've had to train myself to instead trust first. I, I love that about your company and just our short conversation already today that it is trust first. I do think that the, a lot more of that needs to come into organizations and it's something that everybody talks about, but you're right. It's difficult. We naturally don't trust right away. We want to build the trust rather than assume trust. So I, I like how you, how you uh, set that out in your business. If it's okay, I'd like to talk about feedback for just a minute because of that real world situation. What do you find um, when it comes to leadership with feedback, how your team accepts or rejects feedback? Yeah, I I love the question. Um, I'm trying to think of the, the most succinct way to answer that question. Sure. We, based on the way we've structured the company, it's in my opinion, it's very different from most. I mean, number one mm-hmm. is the default to trust. The mm-hmm. other element of that, and I kind of alluded to that in the, the story I was telling a few minutes ago about our newest, one of our newest employees. Um, every single week we come together in a team meeting where everyone presents up on the big screen. Um, most people are here in office. We have a few that are remote, but on the big screen, they present their goals and they highlight whether they've accomplished their goals or they have not accomplished their goals. And the inherent structure of just that one thing provides real world feedback to them on their performance. So it's not just one goal. There's actually one big goal and then there's three lead metric goals. And then under that, there's weekly commitments that they're committing to accomplish. And one of the things that is very different, very foreign to people who are new here is that in the meeting, when you pitch what you're committing to this coming week. In other words, this week I commit to do X, Y, or Z for this particular goal. You ask then for feedback from everyone else and everyone then chimes in. And again, the conversation goes like this, like, I want each of you to imagine that you're responsible for the person presenting their goals. You're responsible for their success at the end of this quarter. So when they talk about their goal, when they talk about each of their lead uh, commitments, right? Their lead metrics for the month and then their commitments. I want you to internally think is what they're committing to do this week going to bring them a step closer to accomplishing that lead metric, right? Which will mm-hmm. then accomplish the goal. And so it's this open idea of feedback where it's not top down and it's not really 360, 360 degree feedback, which is very popular Mm -hmm. um, and not opposed to that. This is literally peer to peer feedback. And it's, it's where this whole idea of like, we're one team, we're pulling together in one direction and we're going to hold each other accountable to accomplish and achieve what we're after. I love that. I love the whole idea of how you're treating the team and that, you know, everybody gets to input and it's not going to be seen as some negative thing that, oh, Tara, you can't do that. Like, look at this, right? It's about, well, if I can't do that, is there another way? And I like the idea of having that kind of feedback as a team because it is for the greater good. Really, it's for the greater good of everybody and your business. Absolutely. I I view it on these two different axis, if, if that's the right word, okay, yeah. Yeah. alignment on one side, you have autonomy on the other. 
And so what I tend to see happen so often in leadership is that our natural inclination is to um, be one of those more than the other, right? So either we are more heavy on the alignment side, which typically means we micromanage more, or on the opposite side, sometimes our personality is to give complete autonomy, to kind of abdicate, to just take our hands off of the thing that they're doing. And then what happens is if, if that's our approach, in other words, if we give complete autonomy, the problem is they aren't getting feedback in a timely manner. So then when right. the project's done, when they've executed on the thing, we then swoop in and we complain. Why did you do it this way? Why does, you know, why was it late? Yeah. Why is the client not happy? All of these things. And they're frustrated because they poured their heart into doing what they thought was best to accomplish that. And then the opposite show on the other side. On the other side, if you by default lean more heavily to alignment, which is, you know, micromanagement, mm-hmm. then you don't give them enough autonomy to go execute without your constant involvement. So you're training them on that side just to be robots, to follow your every command. Yeah, I agree. And that's why I said, I really like what you're doing and getting, and getting the feedback as you go on the task rather than the end goal is really interesting as well. I, I think that's very, very important. Let me ask you this. You had mentioned earlier that you have some people working there and some people working remotely. And I just barely want to touch on it. But what what obstacles or um, thoughts do you have that maybe you have seen? I know COVID was a big piece that led some remotely, but now that some are back and some aren't, is there any major leadership obstacles that you've noticed? Absolutely. Um, you know, it's it's a very difficult environment in terms of how you lead in this environment. Um, So one of the things when everyone was here, we had some people who end up moving, you know, they've been part of our company and due to family transition things, they've moved to other States. Um, But when everyone was here, we would, every single month, we would go do a team lunch. So we would all get in cars and go drive somewhere and do lunch together. Well, yeah, it was, but now sure we could do that with the eight or so people or nine people who are here, but then the other people would, feel left out of that. Um, So there's a lot of these little things that create obstacles and figuring out how to balance those things out so that um, they don't feel left out, the people who aren't here. So they feel still feel brought into the culture and a part of the culture and a part of the team. I wish I could say it made things easier, but it makes things, in my opinion, way more difficult to lead well in terms of building a cohesive, strong culture. Yeah, it can make it more difficult for sure. And I know some companies struggle with that in the long term, even before even COVID, where you had remote salespeople. I know in my corporate life, we started having meetings that was phone calls originally where they would call in because it was across Canada. They would call in every Friday to talk with some of the team members in house so that they could get updated, have that sense of community, you know, because maybe they were thousand kilometers away, right? So I'm up in Canada, we use kilometers, not miles. But, (laughs) but so that whole sense of community within a team is really important. And so thank you for helping answer that question. Because I do feel that a lot of leaders still see that as a major obstacle, but there are some ways around it, right? Yeah, 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 I mean, we've, we've definitely, I, I would say the biggest thing is, it requires way more intention right? You can't just operate as normal. It it requires a lot more forethought. Yeah. And I remember during COVID having, you know, sometimes uh, 
with the higher level teams, we would have these coffee chats because you're no longer seeing someone at that water cooler, right? So you'd have a coffee chat um, online, stuff like that. And even a retirement party that happened during COVID was online at, you know, seven o'clock at night, cocktails, but you had your own. It was, it was a way to continue that in some way while we were all locked down. So great. So do you have any tips to share with our audience today and how to lead effectively, or that would be like those big tips that really you want them to take away today? I would say the first thing, and you know, it may sound very cliche, but the very first thing would be that the most difficult person that any of us will ever have to lead is the person who looks back at us in the mirror every single morning. I agree. Until we learn to lead that person well, right? We need to give more grace to those around us that we're leading. Um, I think that, you know, one of the, the big lessons that I've had to learn over the years is that we as human beings, we judge other people based on their actions, but we judge ourselves based on our intentions. And so we give ourselves a lot of passes, right? So I intended to go to the gentleman workout this morning, but you know, a kid was sick or car had a flat or all those things. But if someone else says they are going to the gym tomorrow morning and they don't go, we're judging them based on their actual actions. Mm -hmm. And this gets played out in the workplace over and over and over again. Um, You know, so often we're so quick to judge someone based on their actions. They didn't send the report. They didn't reply to the email. They didn't return the phone call, whatever those things may be. And one of the the great little short phrases that a good friend mentor of mine taught me was when furious, get curious. I love that. Yeah. When something triggers you, right? Like I can't believe they didn't send the report or I can't believe they didn't send the proposal. Like, don't they know how important this is? Mm -hmm. Instead of getting furious, which is our natural immediate gut reaction, oftentimes turn that furiousness into curiosity and probe, ask questions, uncover why and how. And the last thing, and this is the most difficult thing for me, is to then spin that back to myself and say, how could I have communicated differently? How could I have shown in a different way the importance of having that proposal turned in at this time and this date? So it all starts with us. Yeah. And, and I do like to, the mirror that you talked about at the beginning and looking at yourselves. One of the trainings that I do is about, you know, I sometimes will tell my, my, either my coachee or if it's a group, look in the mirror. That's who people see every day. Start with that person. So I love that you mentioned that as well. I think it is so, so important because our teams see who we are. And if we just go to, why didn't that report get put on my desk rather than like you said, turning that fury into curiosity and saying, was there something that stopped you from doing that? Or, you know, coaching them along the way to understand and hopefully change that behavior later. If it was a behavior problem, I think it's very important. So I love that key takeaway. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you for a great conversation. If somebody who's listening would like to get a hold of you or find out more about your business, can they find you online? Sure. The simplest place is our website. That's just uglymugmarketing.com. All of our social channels, email addresses, phone numbers are all right there in one place. That's awesome. Well, thank you, Wayne, so much for an awesome communication and conversation and discussion today.
thank you so much, Tara, for the time. I've enjoyed it. Me too. Of course, thank you to our listeners. Wayne and I hope you enjoyed the conversation today. If you are in leadership or hope to be a leader who knows that support and developing your skills are the way to moving forward on your leadership journey, or you want to join our leadership community, please visit us at amplifyingleadership.ca, a twin life coaching and business services division. Until next time, please be safe and be an amazing leader or leader to be. Leader.